I welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Great to see all of you. You made it to church. Way to go. I also want to welcome those of you watching online. A lot of you do that, and we know that this is your church. In fact, we get a lot of emails and letters from folks, and one of the emails I got this week was from a gal uh, who attends the University of Wisconsin, and she uh, watches us every week online, invited some of her friends. Now there's a whole bunch of uh, young women there in a dorm room watching us online at the U of, U of W Wisconsin. So Sarah, to you and your friends, special welcome to you today. We are in a great series called Raising the Bar because uh, Jesus uses an Old Testament quote and then he raises the bar. For example, a couple of verses here. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit, don't murder, but I tell you, but I tell you that anybody who is angry with somebody has already committed murder in his or her heart. Key word is heart. Another verse here, he says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, the act. But I tell you, he raises the bar. Anybody who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery in his heart. And his point is, what's going on in your heart today? What's going on in our heart? Actions matter, but what's in our heart? You know, maybe you haven't committed the act of murder, but your heart's full of anger. And if it is, God says it's the same. Maybe you haven't committed the act of adultery, but if your heart's full of lust, God says it's the same to him. Because sin is not just what I do. It's what's in my heart. So again, how's your heart today? What's going on inside? Is your heart full of anger and lust and greed? Or is your heart filled with forgiveness and purity and generosity. And I'll, I'll admit, I don't have this down. I, I've never murdered anybody, but I've been angry a lot. I've never committed adultery, but I would be lying if I said I've never had a lustful thought. So Jesus' teaching is not something I have mastered, but I want to. Because I know that whatever is going on inside my heart will absolutely drive my life. Whatever's going on inside my heart and my mind will drive and determine my life. So how's your heart? And today's teaching is no different on revenge. This is an unbelievable teaching, really difficult. He says, you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's the Old Testament law. But I tell you, I'm going to raise the bar, do not take revenge on somebody who wrongs you. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, offer him your left if someone takes your shirt, give him your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And I got to tell you, when I read stuff like that, I'm like, I'm out. I can't do this. If someone slaps me in the face, steals my shirt, or forces me to go somewhere I don't want to go, it's going to get ugly. There's going to be a battle. If you read my latest book, some of you might remember this story. Many years ago, my wife and I were went to Market Fest in downtown White Bear, and we were there to watch our daughter and her friends put on a show with Flips Gymnastics, and band was rocking in the gazebo that Thursday night. It was jammed with people, people having a good time eating and laughing. We had about an hour to wait, so I left Laurie near the band. I went and got a sandwich and a couple of Diet Cokes. Then I returned, and we looked for a place to sit, just people all over the place, scanned the area, and we were shocked to, to see two unoccupied plastic chairs for public use, not too far away, so we hurried over to get them before somebody else did. The only problem was that sitting between these two empty chairs was a man who had both his arms around the armrest as if to say to any intruder, don't even think about it. 
place was overrun with people. He was sitting there with two empty chairs, so I ignored his nonverbal cues. I leaned over and I said, are these taken? He said yes and looked away. I was standing there with my food, and just as I was about to say, by whom? My wife pulled my arm out of its socket, trying me to pull away from this situation. She said, Bob, let it go. I said, look at him. He's sitting there like he owns the place. Let me just ask him if we can sit there until his party comes back. She said, let it go. But just then, a miracle happened. Two chairs opened up directly behind this guy, and we quickly sat down. I'm sure it was an act of God. Because for the next 45 minutes, we watched person after person walk up to this guy and ask him if the two chairs were taken. And without shame, he clung to those chairs and said they were taken. I was furious. I'd forgotten all about the band and gymnastics. I was trying not to lose my Christianity. When finally, two elderly women limped up to him no kidding, one even had a cane. They asked if the chairs were taken, and with a cold stone heart, he said, yes, they're taken, and he looked away. I said to Lori, that's it. <laughs> that's it. She said, Bob, remember who you are. I said, hey, we're all sinners. That's who, that's who I am, I'm a sinner. Finally, we got up to leave, and I, no kidding, I noticed an acorn on the ground an acorn, I'm sure, was placed there by God for me. And I love throwing stuff. All my life, I've thrown balls and thrown stuff. I picked this acorn up, and the question was, to throw or not to throw? Again, my wife said, Bob. And then she said, what would Jesus do? I hate that. I hate that question. I was going to bean that guy. He needed a good beaning. But Jesus said, that's the old way. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Take my chair, I hit you with acorns. <laughs> I like the old way, works for me. But Jesus said, eye for eye is the old way, but I tell you, don't take revenge on somebody who wrongs you, but he's hoarding the chairs. Jesus said, doesn't matter. Don't take revenge. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your shirt, Give him your coat as well. And the reason Jesus' teaching bothers me so much is it strikes against my sense of fairness and right and wrong. I'm telling you, nothing angers us more when people lie, cheat, steal, or hoard public chairs and get away with it. And that's just chairs at Market Fest. I mean, that's nothing compared to if someone abuses you. Or someone betrays you. By the way, the Bible says there's a place for anger. There's a place for justice. There's a place for making things right. The Bible doesn't call us to be spineless pushovers who never speak up or take a stand. Jesus himself, in anger, overturned tables in the, temples, in the temple and threw people out who are using the temple as a place of commerce. He even used a whip. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> whips, whips can work. So if you get angry over people who lie, cheat, murder, and abuse, that means, that means you are spiritually alive. That comes, I believe, from an intrinsic sense of justice and fairness and rightness. But here's the question. When does our demand for fairness cross over into revenge and become sin? 
And why does Jesus say that revenge is never okay? A couple of thoughts for you. The first reason is this, for our own protection. He says, don't take revenge for your own protection. Question, if I would have hit that guy with an acorn, would that have solved anything? You know, would he have learned his lesson, become all generous and said, thank you for showing me how selfish I am? No. It would have escalated that deal because revenge never solves things. It generally escalates things. In fact, 4,000 years ago, there were no laws, no courts, so God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments kind of as a basic guideline for life. And many of us know what the Ten Commandments are. You know, honor your mother and father. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie, cheat, steal, or covet. But what happened when somebody violated one of those commands? What were the consequences to that? Well, in Exodus chapter 21, there's what's called the law of retribution. This was the Old Testament standard, the Old Testament law. And the law of retribution basically said this, that whatever you do to me, I do back to you to make it fair. And this was Old Testament law. So, for example, Exodus 21, 23 says, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise. I mean, whatever you do to me, I get to do back to you to make it fair. This was Old Testament law. If you hurt me, I hurt you. If you hit me, I hit you. You wreck my car, I wreck yours. But human nature being what it is, people went to extremes and used the law of retribution to kind of stick it to people. You hit me, I'm going to beat the tar out of you. You steal my shirt, I'm going to steal your shirt and your shoes. You say something negative about me, I'm going to totally trash you on Twitter and Facebook and post a really bad photo of you. It escalates. It's the husband whose wife buys a new pair of shoes, so he goes out and buys a new boat. As if that's, it's, it just escalates. And what, what started out as a law of fairness in the Old Testament, eye for eye, turned into an opportunity for revenge. And folks, we're all prone to this. I'm telling you, gang, it's what blows families apart. It divides neighbors, it causes lawsuits, leads to turf wars and murders. It's why schools and cities aren't safe. It's why every night on television we see people firing assault weapons at each other and lobbing mortars at each other because somebody said something or did something that wasn't fair, and so they're going to pay. And it escalates. But Jesus comes along and says, you know, that's the old way. Eye for eye. But I tell you, don't do that. Don't take revenge. Don't hit back or try to get even. Somebody has got to rise above that and let some of it go. It's really for our protection. Second reason, he says, don't take revenge. Revenge really shrinks your heart and mine. I mean, think about it. When you're seeking revenge, is your heart just full of kindness and goodwill and peace and gener- Or is your heart all twisted up with bitterness and anger and revenge? Here's what I know about your heart and mine. 
our hearts are not big enough to contain both sentiments. It's either filled with one or filled with the other. And this is so important because people will disappoint or offend you almost every single day. Some of you were offended on the way to church today by a family member, friend, or somebody out in traffic. You're going to be offended by somebody every single day. Look at this verse, what Jesus says. He says, in this world, you will. Guaranteed. Count on it. You will have trouble. And the main source of trouble is people. People are trouble. Your spouse is trouble. Your kids are trouble, big time. The person you're sitting next to right now is trouble. Coaches are trouble. Classmates, supervisors. I'll bet most of you can think of at least one person right now who's a real problem for you because the main source of trouble is people. Why? Because people are sinful. I'm sinful, you're sinful, I'm trouble, you're trouble, and we all have a choice to either let all of that squeeze the tenderness and joy and love out of our hearts, or we can choose to overlook some of that. Not excuse it, but overlook some of the sinfulness that we all have. Several years ago, I pulled into a gas station. It was so crowded, I had to back into the pump. About three feet away from the back end of a huge dump truck, thought I probably shouldn't pull in this close, but I was in a hurry and things happened, so I started pumping gas and went to clean my windows, and as I did that, this truck decided to leave, but instead of going forward, he threw it into reverse. I was standing there holding a squeegee when I watched this huge dump truck back right into my trunk, and so I yelled, hey, that's the only word a pastor can use, hey, come on. Guy came around. He was very apologetic. I said, look, it's a you know, piece of junk, really, Ford Taurus. I said, don't sweat it. It's just a car. We exchanged names and numbers, went on our separate ways. The, the very next week, I was downtown uh, doing a hospital visit, and as I drove up through the parking ramp, a car was backing out, and I was going to take her spot. So I stopped and backed up with plenty of room for her to back out and leave, but she kept backing up further and further and further, and just as I hit my horn, she hit my headlights. So she hung up her phone. <laughs> we got out to look, and one of my headlights was just dangling by the wire, but I noticed her hands were shaking as she was fumbling through her purse, and she apologized over and over. She was mumbling something about her kids. And in a rare moment of generosity, I said, look, don't worry about it. I think I can fix it myself. She looked at me, and she was so grateful she just started crying. I had no idea what was going on in her life. And I could have done the whole insurance thing and made her pay, but why not do something kind-hearted to help someone out? So my rear end was smashed. My front end was smashed. <laughs> no kidding. A week later, I was zipping down to the airport. It was raining. I was running late. There was a lot of traffic, you know, on Route 7 down to the airport. It's a tight four-lane deal. Suddenly, the brake lights came on. There was a stack up of cars in the left lane, but I was in the right lane, cruising pretty good, when suddenly a pickup truck swung into my lane, sideswiped my front end, and sent me up on the side embankment, and he just kept going. It was the third wreck in three weeks, and none of it was my fault. I just sat there and laughed. What are you going to do? And here's what I learned that week. You all are terrible drivers. 
Every one of you. I also learned that if you drive a car, you're going to get hit. If you drive, you're going to get hit. Expect it, count on it, plan on it. It's going to happen, and here's the deal. You can either get all upset about that and vow to get even, and it's the last thing you do, and let vengeance, here it is, shrink your heart. Or you can realize, in this world, you will have trouble. Anticipate it. It's going to happen. You can realize that accidents happen, and you can choose, you can choose to be generous and let some of it go. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to get dinged. Someone might even hit you, steal from you, take advantage of you, and you can either vow to get even and live your whole life mad at the world, mad at your spouse, mad at your boss, mad at everybody under the sun with a shriveled up, tiny little heart, or you can let some of it go. Because what we're talking about here, gang, is what kind of heart do you want to have? You can't have both. Now, does that mean we should never file a claim or have people pay? No, you should. Does it mean we shouldn't protect ourselves from fraud, crime, and assault? Absolutely, you should protect yourself. Does it mean that our country should never defend itself or go to war? No, we should absolutely do those things to protect our rights and our freedoms. But those are more matters of state and law. Jesus' teaching here is more about our personal relationships and what is our approach to people going to be. Is our approach going to be one of revenge and getting even every time somebody crosses us? Or is it going to be one of, you know what? That was a tough deal. But I'm going to be generous in this thing. And I'm going to forgive. None of it's easy. I fail at this all the time. But then Jesus takes it even further. And I'm warning you, this is graduate level right here, okay? This is really gradual. He's told us we can't throw acorns at people who hoard chairs. Okay, I I think I can get that. But look what he says next. He says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense. I, I do that. That's Old Testament law. But I tell you, love your what? Love your enemies? Pray for those who persecute you. In doing so, you'll be, here's a key phrase, if you do that, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. He goes on, if you love those who love you, what good is that? Everybody does that. Even corrupt people do that. If you're kind only to your friends, how's that different from anybody else? Even pagans. Do that. You are to be perfect? That's impossible. No, Jesus, you are to be perfect? Like your heavenly Father? Once again, I'm, I'm out. I can't, I can't do this. Love my enemies? Really? My neighbor who's a jerk? 
Not really, by the way. I've got a lot of neighbors here. So I'm, I'm not talking. I'm just <laughs> hypothetical. My boss, who's immoral. You know, my ex, who I can't stand and ruined our marriage. My classmate, who's a raving agnostic and belittles my faith. The dad who thinks his kid is better than my kid. Are you kidding me? His kid's no way near my kid. You're asking me to love that guy. Jesus says, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. I want you to show love to the person who's your enemy. And pray for them. And he says, and this is so unbelievable, he says, in that way, if you can do that, you'll be acting as true children of God. So be perfect. Third reason to not take revenge, we are most like God whenever we show love toward an enemy. Don't say it out loud, but who's your enemy? Someone you think, I can't stand that person. I'm done with that person. The closest you and I will ever come to perfection and to being like God himself is when we are able to somehow show love, patience, kindness toward an enemy. Do you remember who did that? When Jesus was falsely accused of crimes he never committed, when he was beaten, mercilessly short of his life, when he was stripped of his clothing and crucified for all the public to gawk at, he had a choice. Should I love these people or take revenge? Remember what he said? While hanging and dying on a cross for the sins of those who put him there, Remember what he said? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Often the people who hurt you the most don't know what they're doing because of their sin. They're blinded by sin. And gang, I'm telling you, the closest you will ever come to perfection and to being like God himself is when somebody wrongs you and you can somehow withhold revenge and forgive them. What these two passages are telling us today is that anybody can love people who love you. It takes no effort whatsoever to love people who love you. Even corrupt people do that. It takes a different kind of strength and valor to love those who oppose you and hurt you. And I'm telling you, this is graduate level love. This is the kind of love the world doesn't understand or is familiar with. And when it's when you are most like God. And the closest you and I will ever come to perfection if we can possibly do that. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, but Bob, what about the person who abused me or sabotaged my career or who harmed my child? Are you saying I'm supposed to show love toward them? I'm not. But Jesus is. 
the one who bled and died and showed mercy on you. He says, I want you to do the same. Two things. What does loving somebody like this look like? Real quickly, two things. What does it look like to love somebody who hurt us? Two things. Jesus said, forgive them. Forgiveness is the purest and deepest form of love. Doesn't mean you have to like this person. Doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with that person. Forgiveness does not mean you have to forget what they did. Sometimes people say, ah, just forgive and forget. I've never been able to do that. I think it can even be irresponsible to forget because you can foolishly subject yourself to ongoing abuse. Forgiveness does not mean you keep exposing your heart to this hurtful person. It doesn't mean you don't hold them accountable. Sometimes you have to fire a person like that. And if what that person did was illegal, you may have to prosecute that person or get a restraining order. And finally, forgiveness does not mean it's immediate. I don't know about you, but when I have to forgive someone who's hurt me, it takes a long time. And sometimes I get there and then I fall into anger and revenge again and I have to forgive all over again and down the road, I'm finally free. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness simply means that you withhold revenge, you refuse to carry the anger anymore, and it means you are going to release this to God and let him take care of it. So, how do you forgive somebody like that? You forgive them. You say, God, take care of it. Second way to show love toward a person like this who hurt you is to trust that God will actually handle it in his time and in his way. So for those of you who've really been wounded by somebody, and most of us have, here's a verse that you can cling to and take home with. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. In other words, this will take place. It is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, God's going to get him. He will. In his way and in his time, it may not be the way you want it to or in the timing that you, but God will repay. We want to take matters into our own hands because we think God's not going to show up, but God will. In his time and in his way, God is going to even the score, here's the thing, so you don't have to. You can let it go. How exhausting it is to live with anger every single how exhausting and cancerous to one's soul to be filled with hatred and revenge. And friends, how freeing it is to be able to finally breathe by releasing this to God and saying, God, I'm going to trust you to deal with this person. I want to close our time today with a picture of what I think being like God looks like in real life. Monte Williams is the assistant basketball coach for the Oklahoma Thunder. Williams is a devoted Christian. He's a faithful husband to his wife, Ingrid, and great dad to five kids. He's one of the most respected coaches in the NBA. Two weeks ago, his wife, Ingrid, was driving home when suddenly a distracted driver crossed a median and hit her head on. And both drivers were killed at the scene. The other driver was clearly at fault. But what I want you to see and hear is what God is like what perfection looks like from a man, Monty Williams, who instead of wanting revenge, 
extended mercy and grace and forgiveness. This was just last week at his own wife's funeral. Watch, and I'll close. When I watched Mr. Williams talk with such strength, there's only one place where that comes from. It comes from the love and power of Jesus Christ who clearly indwells his heart. Not an ounce of bitterness or anger or revenge, even though he had it coming. He could have done that. Gang, that's graduate level love. That's God-like love. And we are most like God when we can do that. When we can forgive and trust that God is big enough take care. The closest you and I will ever come to protection, to perfection, and to being able to sleep at night is when we can forgive, withhold revenge, and trust that God is going to deal with it. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's also the most freeing thing. At all campuses, let's stand for closing prayer. Be on our way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this teaching today. I confess when I first looked at this teaching, I just wanted to run away. I didn't want to deal with it. Because God, you know my heart, and so often there's anger and bitterness and revenge. But Lord, I don't want to live the rest of my days on earth with a bitter heart. I want to be free of that. I want to live every day that I can with a heart that is soft toward you, a heart that is generous, a heart that understands that in this world it's going to be tough sometimes, but that you're still in charge and you can be trusted. God, I pray for every single person standing here, including me, who struggles with anger and bitterness and who's been hurt. And we want revenge. God, I pray that right now, right here, thousands of hearts will be free as we begin to trust you and let you deal with our hurt. God, we need you every single day. We can't do it on our own. Thank you for loving us the way we are. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Thanks, everybody.